0: I to say, I'm like, if you had a question about fat people being pretty, what do you think? <laughs> I was trying to get a back on this question. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I did not say anything about fat people being pretty. Because I did think, think I'm not- pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you are dumb. Oh no, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. uh, uh, <laughs> you look like you <laughs> Wait, is he blinking his eyes Johnny are you blinking <laughs> I'm trying to bat my eyes he looks like, oh, look like, look like he just got a new car and he just saw that she get backed into by a big Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to oh, that's too bright. I can't do that. Welcome to the artist, the artist exchange radio show here live only on beexposedradio.com. I'm Nate. Um, am I ready? Be good. Are we good? I can hear myself. Oh, you know what? I think. What else? Uh, that was my fault. Sorry, I had the YouTube on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. i do that again, even though it's not going to be cut out. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Artist Exchange. Radio show here live only on BeExposedRadio.com. I'm your host, Nate. I'm here. Um, I love um, that we are now in fall. You've been in fall for a couple days now. This is my favorite weather. You get a little bit of rain, a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of breeze, and we good. Uh, if it could be fall, if I can find a place. That is light fall all year round. That's the place I'm moving to. Um. Yeah. So I'm chilling. We have a guest today, Mr. Kimit Najee. Uh He's a college buddy of mine, fellow artist, performer. Uh, I believe he's a spoken word artist. Uh. Yeah. So we'll have him on shortly. Um. To for starters, I'm, I'm, as I've said a lot, we are dealing a lot with um, mental health within the arts community, um, a lot of stress and stress management. Um, I'm, I'm giving like little doses Doses of it throughout, you know, this whole pandemic that we've been in. And just in general, I think moving forward, I'm going uh, to kind of try to incorporate that into what I do as an artist and as an educator. And as a host, I'm going to try to infuse that because sometimes a lot of people um, choose to suffer in silence. Often the shoulder for others, we often don't feel like we have a shoulder um, and people don't often think we need a shoulder. So um, it's really directed towards those types of individuals. And because I'm going through this process of I'm doing a creative project based on some of the experiences that I've gone through as an individual. And um, I am in the like living, reliving a lot of those moments for myself. So I am using a lot of the advice that I'm giving to you all. um, And I'm bringing up and I'm bringing people on. Um, Today I'm going to talk to Kim about who he is and what he's been doing since the, uh, quarantine. Uh, Kim is in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana. Um, and I uh, went to school with him. He's an actor and all those things I said in the beginning. And, um, that was rude. That was so rude to me, but, um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. He's another black man. And I, I definitely want his perspective on a number of the, uh, Things that are going on in the news right now, and uh, politics and such. Uh, but I am really, I'm just really, you know, I'm getting more comfortable. I'm moving, you know, the remote <laughs> uh, artist exchange into my said living room, and I'm um um enjoying the time that I have uh, in terms of being off and such. I'm doing my radio show. Can I call you, everybody? Ah, I uh a little cry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm moving into this new space, and I'm really just really enjoying myself and really getting comfortable. I don't feel like I'm a prisoner inside my bedroom anymore. I'm now a prisoner of my apartment in general. <laughs> but um yeah, I've been moving out and I'm going a little bit in the living room. I haven't even been in here, which is sad. I've come probably coming here maybe once, a couple times out of the month so far, just to, you know, stretch my legs and get out of the room. But um yeah, um I'm, I'm just really excited about the possibility of what's to come, more so than I have been in the last couple months. But um yeah, I am. As I was saying, I'm kind of in the midst of a lot of the information that I want to share in terms of mental health and management, so uh, stress management. Um, and I am at a part of my project that I am um, kind of re living and re uh, um thinking about, just thinking about things that I've gone through, experiences, uh, good and bad, um, and just figuring out ways to incorporate my creativity in my healing process. Because for me, art is my life, and I'm enjoying myself um, thoroughly. Um, so, I, uh, I'm just finding ways to be as balanced as I can be, be as open as I can be. Um, I'm learning how to reach out to people more and not just, I have a, um, a habit of when you come on my mind, I'll send you a text message or I'll call you or I'll say hello to you. Because social media has made that a much easier process, um, and I'm I'm allowed to do that when somebody's birthday come up, I'm getting better at reaching out to them and saying happy birthday, and um, going back to my habit, I used to always send a gift or a card or some type of corresponding celebrating your birthday, and I'm getting better with that. Um, I think these last, and that hasn't been an issue for me during the pandemic, it's been the last I'll say about two years and that number keeps popping up in my conversations on the show because, um, the last two years I've decided to, um, just push back (coughs) from a lot of people in my life and, and really get a lot of things in my space, um, within my space dealt with and, 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 uh, kind of reorganized and restructured. And I'm I'm happy to say that it, it has been tough. Not happy to say it's been tough, but it has been tough. But I'm happy to say that um, I'm figuring out ways to um, be comfortable with not always being with people and being around, more specifically, family and friends. I don't, you know, I don't have a need to be around people, but Um, I always felt obligated to every free moment I had to fill that up with family and friends. And um, I am learning that I don't have to be that because I never really, um, I'm a family person, but when you're going through stuff that, especially things that have been going on for a long time or things that you haven't dealt with, Um, I'm finding a lot of happiness and um, um, knowing that I can deal with it, not necessarily on my own because I pray a lot. I'm a really spiritual person. It may not show as much because my spirituality to me is very personal. So I don't have the need to shout and proclaim like other people who may not necessarily feel as comfortable with their spirituality um, as I do. But yeah, so I've, I've been really on a mission, specifically in these last six months, to really find the Nate that I am most comfortable with, that I'm most proud of, that I'm most um, uh, in love with. Um, I allowed a lot of things, as we all do, um, especially sometimes being an artist, and I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a teacher, um, you find yourself giving a lot of yourself to other people. And you don't think about filling yourself back up or taking a pause to replenish and recoup and reestablish all that you've thrown out to fill that space of from what you just poured out. And I'm learning to fill me up, um, I remember at some point doing this, I took a week and I went and stayed in a hotel uh, in downtown Baltimore. And I didn't really do anything. I think I went left out maybe twice. Um, and I went in uh, to the mall that was across the street. I think I went and got something to eat once. Uh, but for the most part... I just chilled in a hotel and I got relaxed. I even got to do my show, but I, um, I just really, um, I found, you know, a a more calm in me. Like I'm always a, a real cool person. I don't really overreact a lot. I don't, I don't jump to react. Um, but I found myself always trying to, the, the the look of it was always helping other people but um, I was always trying to make other people happy you know i I, I found myself having a lot of people around me um, that kind of resembled me in many different ways and many different aspects of my life or uh, they resembled people that I knew and I found myself... You know, always wanting to make them happy, you know, so much so that anybody that's probably met me in the last seven, eight years, they will tell you the first thing, especially if it was about art. My first initial conversation was will always be, how can I help you? And if it didn't come out my mouth verbally, it was definitely in my actions. And there's nothing wrong with being that person. I think I got a lot of that from many of the women in my life. My your your mother, guest right. is here. Oh, you can bring him in. I don't see, I didn't see him on the screen. I, I've been chatting to you for like. Yeah, hey, you can you can bring him in. Bonnie is such a nice guy. <laughs> I've learned that as well. To give a compliment, it really breaks the ice and helps people to open up a little bit more. Um and bring them break down their walls. Um uh, I don't see anybody. Hello. I'm here. How's it going, sir? Pretty good. Let's see here. Let me get this video going for you. I didn't know who this person was that was on name. What process. you say, brother? How you going, sir? I
1: can't complain. Can't complain,
0: man. Can't complain. Oh, you're in the studio. He had to show us the studio, like you know, he out there mixing tapes and whatnot. What's man, going on? Your life
1: is always life, man. It's always here. I'm actually at home, bro.
0: <laughs> and you're you're in Lafayette, right? Opalousis, Louisiana. Where is that say it again? Opalousis, Louisiana. I don't I did not even tell you how to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> man. What part of Louisiana is that?
1: Uh central. So Okay. Okay. I'm right. I'm right smack dab in the heart of uh Louisiana, man.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah. So how has this been for you? Well, first of all, how have you been? I haven't seen you in a long time.
1: Yeah, it's been a minute, man. I've been good, brother. I can't
0: lie about it, man. He's a fellow Coppinite, Coppin player. Bro, and bro. So. I haven't seen him since he uh I think I may have seen you once since you can you left, but uh how has life been? As and life, artist? Been, Well, you know,
1: I I gotta say, man, Coppin prepared me, you know, Coppin got me ready for uh for, for it was what a, the I main
0: for man- the streets.
1: Yeah, it got me ready for what I got into. Um mm-hmm. I did a little theater. I did uh quite a few plays. And then okay. um uh, somebody came up to me for one of my plays. I had a I had a ton of lights that I had rented from the guitar center and sprung up all over in this gymnasium to to run this uh big <laughs> three act play that I had written, man. And uh the play did well, but somebody came up to me and was like, hey, can you you know run these lights for me? For another show that I'm doing, I was like, I sure can. You know, I sure can. Then lights for that person, and then next thing you know, I'm designing lights for clubs and then installing for Sky Zones across the
0: country, man. So, If you don't know, um, uh, when when I say Urban Arts or UAP, I don't really talk about it as much anymore, but uh, Urban Arts and Production was a major at Coppin State University. It's now... Partnering with the English uh, department there, but it has been a major there for a couple years. I say about fifteen so years now, and it really has um, every urban art major that you meet. Now there's another school with an urban art major uh, in in Baltimore, but it's it's not the same thing. There's more creative writing and stuff like that, but right. ours is more based in everything that you can think of. If you think of what a community theater is, it really was training us for a life of community theater and beyond. Um, right. And what with, with Kim had just said is now, um, uh, it because of the work that he did on crew there, it gave him the confidence to say, yeah, I can be a lighting tech." You yeah. know, and urban arts is what you make it. And Each one of us has something very similar but yet something totally different that we can specialize in um and then everything else overlaps itself so, so um uh-huh. mr brown gave a lot of us a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of training in no, other, in the other it was stuff. it
1: was that uh the black box downstairs in the old television studio that everybody uh-huh. did it was that that got me doing what i did it was doing uh-huh. that that project with mr brown
0: uh-huh. uh,
1: Copping was good for, what I liked about Coppin, they were good for calling in professionals. They would call in a professional to come in and, right, right. and show us something. So Alan Weeks was the lighting guy for mm-hmm. uh, for Coppin. And Alan Weeks came in to hang all the lights inside of a black box. Right, so right. I took the wires, climbed up, and I'm in the ceiling, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm moving around the ceiling, mm-hmm. you know, hooking up everything. And Alan's looking up. he's like, hey, man, you did this before? I was like, oh, it was like pretty good. You know, and so he teamed me up with somebody else in um, Uh, Mm D.C., Kenneth Armstrong, I think his name was. And I took a a, a side job with him doing lighting for the events at all the hotels out in D.C. And so that gave me just everything. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to competent. We got classes that are teaching me how to build reports and how to design lighting and, and how to do lighting plots and things like that. Mm-hmm. And put all that together, man, you can see my work pretty much across the country in any sky zone you're going. And I never thought that I would have gained all that just by going to college. Man.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and more, more importantly, at HBCU, That exactly. often um, HBCUs have, have a, a bad reputation for having nurturing Students, but not having all of the resources in house that's required. And we got a great, um, we had a great system of always having somebody come in and do a residency, or somebody that was helping one of our either Amini or James Brown um, out in terms of that. Now that wasn't my game. Now I'm not climbing nothing. Mm -hmm. I put me in the costume room or stage management or something like that, and I can. Excel. I'm not climbing nothing though. It wasn't... It, the, <laughs> the payment scale wasn't high enough for me to take those adventures, but um, uh, meeting you there, you just always had a lot of energy uh, in terms of not being afraid to do anything, and I think that was kind of the stipulation for wanting to be an urban. I mean, you had to have this crazy, abnormal right. tendency and, and to just try something outside of the box. Right. Um, and many of us would probably, we had graduated a lot sooner had we not had that strange capacity, but uh, right. <laughs> but it was necessary. <laughs> I think we learned so much more in the interim doing all the other stuff than we would have in a basic four-year program.
1: But I had I had been to uh, different colleges before Coppin. Um, mm-hmm. Copping was, I want to say, the third college that I went to in my lifespan. And mm-hmm. it's crazy that that's the one that I finished, you know? And a lot of times, you know, I have a debate, you know, within myself sometimes about the resources that was available to me at uh, at Coppin, you know, going to an HBCU. And so with that, I I think I had to think about, well, what resources did I need? Did I I need to get, you know, money on time or did I need to have a, a real exciting and flashy and far advanced computer lab to go and sit down and type my paper in? Did I need all of that compared to the resources that I did have? Professors? Right. You know, the, the professors there were there for me. They, they weren't exactly there just for their paychecks or because they could have taught anywhere. You know, a lot they, of
0: professors they, they knew your name. Hmm?
1: They knew your name, like they knew right.
0: personally.
1: Exactly. No matter where I went on campus, it didn't matter if I was in that major or not, professors mm-hmm. knew um yes. all the students knew each other. You know, it was it was all love on campus. And it is crazy that Coppin was set in the middle of, of one of the <laughs> toughest places on the planet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. North Avenue is not an easy place to be. And I know a lot of people oh, that no. just couldn't make it, you know, on North Avenue. And it's just the fact that Coppin sat right on the heart of North Avenue. And it was a, a mm-hmm. safe haven for everything else that went on and none of that ever made its way onto campus. You know what I mean? And it was always my go-to place out there in Baltimore. I showed up in Baltimore. I had never been on the East Coast before, I think, ever. Um nice. it was it was it was a lifestyle that I had never seen. It was a culture that I'd never seen, but it was so much love from the people there. Everything that I had heard about the area was just falsified or maybe uh exploded to be more than, than what it was, i.e. the wire, you know, so to speak. Right. It was just it was just the things that I had heard and the things that I encountered were two complete different things. You know so coming was,
0: from Louisiana, you probably understand that even more because it's like this 30 second clip that becomes a narrative about who people are and then, you know, many of um the individuals that I got to meet from Louisiana had that same perspective because they saw us in the wire or homicide or right. on the, the general news and coming to places where we're from, people have to come there in order to right. experience the life. It's not like a New York where you go find a little bit of everything. You have to really find what you're looking for here. Right. Uh, but it, it really, uh, you know, one of the, the hardest parts for me was I think we, many of us, took advantage of many of the resources we had outside of networking with each other. That was one mm-hmm. of my uh, biggest regrets and not being more of a leader and kind of pushing that aspect more because mm-hmm. that's what normally makes the HBCU great. Right. Networking from within. And I don't think at Coppin, and I don't still don't think that they really grasped the idea of the power and the potential that the individuals that make up that unit has. Um, right. It was one of the reasons I started this program. It was supposed to be like a, a roadhouse for all of us to be able to, you know, either guest host or host. And my, this wasn't supposed to be my seat alone. But I right. think we, we as a whole did not do our best, even though we were doing so much other things, but we didn't do our best in networking. That's, if I had a bright, which I have many, but that's the biggest one that I
1: had. But that's not um, that's not singularly with Coppin. Um when I came home, I knew the first thing I wanted to do was direct a play. And uh I right. wanted to do a big one. I wanted to come in with a bang. And in all honesty, I had done community theater here for years before I went mm-hmm. to Coppin. Because you know, I showed up at Coppin at 32 years old, you know. Ooh, yeah! I showed up. I showed up late. Well, I was a late bloomer. <laughs>
0: but see, that's but see again. That was the norm at Coppin. That was, a was very right, non-traditional, mm-hmm. traditional. So you oh. were right on time. Well, when I came home, you know, I put this first play
1: on, and it, I, I I build it as a traveling play that came from somewhere else. You know, like mm-hmm. like a major production. I put it on at the largest theater here in town. Um, and it, it sold well, it was a great show. Um, and then after that, there were several others who wanted to do plays and, and a lot of them were local poets who would, who would wrote plays. Um, and I mean, like this one play, this girl's writing was just absolutely amazing. And I was sitting there and I was, I was watching the play and you know how you know how we do. We, we tear things apart. You know, once you've been uh, you've been trained in something, you you've written papers or something, you can no longer mm-hmm. go to a play and not write that critique in your head as the play is right, going right. on. And and I'm doing different things of uh, different um, different studies that we had done. You know, over the time at Coppin. so I'm sitting there and I'm watching the play, but I'm not enjoying it. And so I decided to close my eyes and listen to the play and enjoy it. And so, when it was over, I approached the director. I, I let her know, she was the writer, she was the director, she was the producer, she was the promoter, she was the set designer, she was the costume designer. You know, she, she had all of these jobs on her plate. And I spoke to her, I was like, you know, you said you had you know seven other plays that you had written. Would you be interested in teaming up and allowing another director to come in and we can get a costume designer and, you know, we can get a choreographer. You know, we can get the people that specialize in in what it is that they do and come together and make you know a great play. And her response to me was, Mm -hmm. oh, no, these are my babies. You know, you know, these are Mm -hmm. my babies. And I I think that the younger generation, because even all younger people, none of them had actually been to, to school for college. It wasn't just her. It was several others here who wanted to do the same thing that I had just done but I could not get all of them to work together on one show.
0: Everybody wanted
1: to do their own individual baby. Nobody wanted to take that baby and and let others mold it and help it grow, send it to school, you know, let it become educated. No one really wanted to do that. Everyone wanted to smother their child. And I thought that was a really, really bad thing. And I noticed that that was something that just happens across the board. It's not just, Singular with hope I think it might be something that's just singular with us. You know, I think it's something that we should talk about and we should actually work through.
0: Um, it, I think it's I think what happens is uh we we're in this new mode of, of begging. And I, I can't even think of another term for it, but begging. So somebody like you and I who have all the parts to or most of the parts or a lot of parts. Uh, or the important parts to be able to put on, say, a production, right. uh, they're looking for somebody to come and give them a blank check. No. They don't want to do the work that it takes, um, that it takes or requires, really, uh, to be successful. They just want, right. they they want, want Tyler they want Perry success. to come and discover them. And they don't, they don't understand what Tyler Perry went through himself. You know, I, I
1: don't think right. they they know Tyler's true story of all that he went through and all the help he had to get where he is. It's not something that he did totally by himself, and it's something that he worked on for years and sacrificed mm-hmm. for until he got to the point where he is now. I, right. I don't think they, they understand that full story of him. They just see one play and then success, and they think that they can do the same thing, one play and then success. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not something that I could teach. You know, During all of my productions, every play that I've had, I've given the same spill and I've tried to teach as many as I can. Every mm-hmm. show I bring in somebody who's never been on stage ever in their life. And I do it on purpose because mm-hmm. it's it's not to say, oh, I'm a great director and I can direct this person. It's just to bring someone in and show them something new and then mm-hmm. let them bloom you know, in which direction they want to go. It, it, it matters not if you're interested and you show up, man. It's
0: all. Come on in. Let's 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 make this happen. But they, they often are people that are easier to work with than somebody yes, who's are. been doing this for years. And that's one of the reasons I always pick somebody who doesn't know much about it. Not so I can mold them, but so they can be molded by the process the right. proper exactly. way.
1: I bring in a lot of, uh, I try to get a new stage manager uh every production that I do. That way, someone is sitting there and they're pretty much learning everything that ticks with a play. Mm-hmm. I uh, I try to find a young student from somewhere and then I try and train them on the lighting board so that they can actually go up there and learn the lighting board and actually get that trade in. Some right. of them excel and, and, and move on to do other things and others move around the theater and do other things. And others like, yeah, you know, this ain't for me. It was great. I had fun. I enjoyed it. But it's that opportunity that you give. you know what I mean. It, it tends to, it tends to try and break the, the mold that we're kind of like trapped in right now. Mm-hmm. And right now, it, it just seems that in, in, in with everything that's going on today, I do see pieces of that mold breaking away. But when I first came home it was a seriously tight mold around every individual person. And it just seemed like every person felt like they were in their own bubble and they needed to break free from that bubble themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they realized just how much help they could get from the outside of that bubble. Um, I think it's some of them just had simple trust issues. Uh, The young lady and her baby, this was something that she created and she wanted to make sure that, you know, it made it all the way. Um, but those are just misguided steps, and so I try to provide
0: guidance every opportunity that I have. You know? One of my questions that I uh, is, do you have your uh, link plugged up? Because I'm hearing a lot of, um, I can hear myself. Oh, uh, you hearing yourself? Yeah. Like, if, do you have it turned on somewhere else, or? Yeah, it's on the
1: screen. I'll do this for so you.
0: One of the, one of the questions that I have for you is. What I'm finding now being in another phase of um, my artistry in terms of me producing work and uh, coming in and consulting and helping, um, I'm finding two things. One, people don't want to do the dirty work. Like if I go in, I'll do everything from direct to act to stage crew and, you know, box office. But I'm Mm. finding a lot of people that don't want to do that. Or I'm getting the other side where they would rather take their content as the young lady had with you and take that to a non-black person to help them. Is that something that you're coming across? Or do you see that as a something that's going to hurt us in the long run? Um, Not saying there's anything wrong, because I've learned a lot of things from other cultures, but we only feel safe with our work in terms of it being successful when it comes from somebody that doesn't look like us? I can tell you this much. For me
1: personally, no, because I personally work with everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, a person's race. It doesn't matter a person's sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things don't matter to me. A person's personality is what matters to me. Um, A person's gift and their skill set is what matters to me. Um, You know, I I was surprised, you know, um, on the cruise that I've had, I've had I've had a woman outwork every man that I've ever hired. You know what I mean? And I, I thought that was crazy, you know, at first. But she outworked every guy with no questions asked, hands down. Of course, there were some things, you know, she couldn't exactly do. As far as lift work and and things like that and and, high heights and strapping up. But the ethic and the go get it attitude was everything that I wanted in an employee. You know, Um, when I go to do productions, I get called to do a production. I get called to do productions from from a white group who wants to do something. I've done productions for really and truthfully uh, out here. Main thing is Mardi Gras crew. February uh, mm-hmm. comes around and there is a Mardi Gras ball and, you know, there's a Mardi Gras ball every week. And there was one in particular, this was pretty much a closed group. They didn't even have black members, you know, but the whole crew doing the production was all black. You know, I don't think it mattered, um, matters much as par se here, but I do believe that people tend to think that if you are independent, if you are small, then you can't help them. Mm -hmm. They think that, um, you know, this guy showed up with an iPhone to shoot this video for you. Oh, you you really going to do a piss poor job. You know, I really don't want to see you here, but they don't understand. It's never really the tools. It's always the producer. It's always the person using those tools. And I've seen guys out here with iPhones shoot some amazing videos, and I say that just as a uh, as an example. Um, in my own work, uh, when I was doing these sky zones, the client I had, he kept throwing at me, you know. Well, you know, I can go and get the you know the the, the national guys to come in and do this work. You and, uh, and my only response to him was, "Sure, you know, you can go and you can get the national guys to come and do this work if that's what makes you feel comfortable." I said, but my company can do exactly what their company does without all the overhead that their company has to do. You see what I'm saying? So in other words, I'm going to charge you almost half of what they're going to charge you to do the exact same job. You know, I think that mentality goes around a lot. It's not par say. oh, I only want to work with these guys. You know, I've got lighting crews. I've got another white guy. He does excellent lighting work. And he does work for a lot of the Zydeco bands out here. You see what I'm saying? And so, I don't think it's part say, "Oh, we don't want to work with you because you're black," or "We don't want to work with you because you're white." It's more so now you're too new. Now you're too small. Now you're not established. It's more so those things that that I, that I've been that me personally I've had to battle against with dealing with clients. You know because. It's the same job. It's the same lights. I'm going to hang them the exact same way. I'm going to use all of the same equipment. I'm just not going to have a crew of 10 people come down and do the job for me. I'm going to do your bid here at home, relaxing. And when I'm done, I'm going to have everything drop shit to your place. And then I'm personally going to show up with two other men and we're going to get the place done. That is, you know, is a good thing. That's never a bad thing
0: see what I'm saying? A people get an idea of what a production is because most of... And, and my biggest gripe was a lot of... Even the playwrights or directors now, a lot of them haven't spent... And I think it's an attitude that many of us who went to school and learned a lot of this mm-hmm. um, and studied at community theaters and under certain individuals. It's frustrating to go into something. And I've been asked to act ask, or you know act as a number of different jobs on productions and i'm realizing the people around me have no skill sets in what they want to do and that's not to prevent anybody from doing anything but it it says a lot to have somebody who is knowledgeable around you and then i realize well that's why they asked you to do it but they don't have skill sets in what they're doing so it makes my job harder because now i'm I'm doing all the extra stuff or I'm watching other people have to do all of the extra things. Right. That if this person would have just took a class, you only got to take a whole degree. Just take the class and right. you'll I, um, get some understanding.
1: In my in my area here, which is is one of the things that I'm looking into now, my wife and I are, are debating on opening up a um a school here. It's an art art school. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just want to do a lot of different things. I mean, yeah, we want to teach in, you know theater, we want to teach dance. you know we have a, a person who wants to teach music uh, uh, as far as piano goes, and there's another one that wants to teach chorus. But we also want to try and teach things like cooking, things like sewing. I mean there's there's a lot a of there's so many life skills that can be taught. Um, mm-hmm. And all of this stuff is creativity. You know, don't get me wrong. I'll write a fire poem. I'll get up and I'll perform it all bad, and I'll direct a pretty bad show, and I'll hang some lights and I'll create this awesome lighting scene. But man, I'll go in that kitchen back there, burn it down, man. And for me, every man. But for me. When when I'm in the kitchen, it's the same artistic feeling that I'm getting from everything Mm -hmm. else that I do artistically. It's all being creative, even though it's a part of life. You know, we have to cook for our families. You know, we have to, you know, sew our garments together. It's still creativity, and it's still a part Mm -hmm. of life. Most of life is about creativity. Most of it. And I don't think, I mean, even when it comes to budgeting, You got to do that creativity you know you you have to have some creative way of getting all your plans together you know and i I think people are missing that you know i I think a lot of people are missing that option um luckily for me so when i got into theater you know i was i was on the college campus but i really wasn't getting a hands-on on on anything Mm -hmm. at that particular college it's just classroom and then you know uh, Shakespeare and, and more Shakespeare you know, and, and more Shakespeare and I, I wanted to know more you know I wanted to know, well, you know how we do these lights you know or or what about this director what about this playwright and there was just so many different things that I just wasn't getting fed you know what I mean and I was hungry mm-hmm. man you know and then I got I got lucky and, and got into the community theater in town and that's where things sparked but it wasn't anybody there to teach me. You know, the director was just like, I'm a hat rack. You think you can get up there and move these lights around and aim them over here and here and here. And I'm like, sure, you know, it was that 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 mentality that cop and love. Somebody who was willing to go out and get it done. Yeah, I never did it. Look, I'll get up there and I'll see what I can do. You know, you need it done, hey, I'm on my way. You know, um, I got this idea, let's try this out. You know, they wanted that. But I got my all that from there, but what I didn't get was actual instruction so for me in my copping experience i had done several plays already um, several different productions and when i got it copping i understood all the whys i didn't know why i had to aim this light this certain way for it to match i just knew by doing it i had to cock it a little this way shake this thing down and then it's on that person perfectly i don't see any shadow But when I it, I understand, oh, you were using R34 lens, you were using a par 64, Um, you know, I get all of the instruction. This light puts out this much amplitude, you don't want to use, you don't want your stage to be this hot, you know. I learned so many different techniques that I was just doing on the fly, you know. And, And I think that's the thing that a lot of people are missing. They come and they start doing stuff on the fly. And they allow that to trick themselves into thinking that they know what it is that they're doing, and they really, don't. you know, they really have no idea of what it is that they're doing. They're just winging it, and it's coming out great because they have a gift at what they're doing. They may be a natural at it. Maybe they really focused on what they taught themselves. But if you don't have any kind of training whatsoever, then you don't have that skill set yet. You just have a basic knowledge. You know
0: what I mean? it, it it becomes it, it definitely becomes a problem because well I'm not gonna say a problem but it that type of training that hands-on training is one of the reasons I chose to go to a smaller school versus one of the schools that you know gave me a better scholarship it it was more so because I wanted I wanted to learn in a different way uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more hands-on versus just out of a book or in a lecture hall. Uh, but I, one of the things I just want more, even even the people who aren't young coming out of high school, but just all these people who are doing their own films, becoming photographers, starting their own restaurants, learn the basics of what you're doing. Not so you can do those things, but so you learn how to break the rules. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that I regret more is not leaning on the resources that I had more like Mr. Brown, even though I learned a lot, but I didn't you dealt more with the technical stuff in terms of lighting and sound. I didn't really do as much of that. I only did it when he needed my help versus you know, going there for every show. I was in brown face though, man. Like you're (laughs) going to it was It was just other things that I had interest in like the backstage costuming and all those things. So I learned those things in depth. But I, you know, when, when you have resources like, and we give Mr. Brown a lot of uh, credit because he did a lot of work that wasn't in his job description. Uh, yes. But, uh, but I, I really value those individuals that I've gotten to meet like that. But I just wish more people would seek out the information rather than just doing it the hard way. You waste so much money, you waste so much time, and then People don't realize when somebody go and see a bad play, mm-hmm. the next person who invites them to a play, they're gonna look at that experience that they just had. And they're not gonna wanna Man. come to your stuff.
1: I had one play go down where nobody showed up. And what it mm-hmm. happened was I did a really awesome play before, and I only filled my theater up half the capacity. Oh, wow. And at the time, you know, I only had, you know, enough funding to do the show you know just that once you know do the show that just that once and uh what it what happened was I did it that once and then word got out about the particular play that had just happened hey mom this this we don't want to see what's going on so <laughs> word came out that I had um uh, that I had just started you know that you know the play had came and then hey girl did you go see that play uh no what play oh the stage play they had a stage play going on in such and such place did you go see that play no, I, I didn't go see the play. Ooh, girl, you got to go see the play. Well, the next person that did the play was not me, you know. And that person was one of the persons who, you know, they did this well. And so they want, okay, This look. So they did this play and they wanted to do, you know, they wanted to do their own thing. They had done well in poetry. So now they go in and do a play, but they have no idea how to direct the play. So they just pass out scripts to their friends and say, okay, do it, you know. And then that's the show that they put on. So the person that got called and said, hey, did you go see the play? No, I didn't go see the play. Girl, go see the play. Well, they went to the very next play and didn't have a great experience that the other person had. So when the next time I do a play, nobody came because they went to the last one and it wasn't that great, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get everybody working on one play together. We all can learn. We
0: all can make it happen. Go Go get that. And but I think people a lot of the, the newbies and a lot of the people who who may be great at what they do, but they may not have that skill set to put it on as a whole production. Right. It's just the, the arrogance level that I'm finding, even amongst people who went to school, because right. they didn't take the they didn't take the time to learn or get to know a Mr. Brown or a, a meanie in a way that they would actually learn something. Right. But they, it really just it really hurt them because now there I have a lot of people now that want to be filmmakers who used right. to laugh at the fact that I did theater or was like that little theater space you know oh yeah I, you know I knew you at Copping I knew you did the little theater thing you helped me do this and you realize they have no nothing mm-hmm. like nothing to put together to put on something that looks good that that is actually good. Uh, and I love working with them when they're willing to learn But right. it's, I'm finding a lot of people right now aren't willing to learn right. they are not they're just not willing to take that time
1: they so. to me it seems like well they were successful at this one thing mm-hmm. and uh, they're destined to be successful at another thing right. um, or they feel that you know college is overrated you know uh, I'm mm-hmm. not going to college that's overrated you know it's it's funny. Uh, one of the people that I was so surprised <laughs> that I would give so much credit to for proper, very surprised that I would give this gentleman so much credit, that was Dr. Gary Hyatt. Because no matter how much we bump heads on everything else, I'm going to throw my key away. Thank you for the It didn't matter how much we bump heads on everything else, because I had a different vision of theater that mm-hmm. they didn't really like. And, and, and that was a known thing. that They really didn't care about my vision of theater. But they still taught me theater from what they knew in their perspective. And Hyatt taught me business theater. He yeah, taught me the whole business aspect of it, which was something that I had no knowledge of. All I knew of was, yeah, man, I'm doing do a play, man. I'm going to put it out there on the radio and I'm going to charge 20 dollars. They're going to Island, they gonna come in and give me the ticket. I know nothing about paying rights for whoever play I was using, rights for whoever right. I was using. Heck man, I didn't even know about the rights for putting out flyers. And these are all the things I learned. And, and I remember I got home and I was doing a play at a particular theater here in town. And this is an A-list theater. It's a roadhouse. It's where all the shows come in. So there's no games over there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I walked in the bar and um, this bar is having an open mic night and I'm scouting for uh for talent to put this production you know, get some auditioners in and i walked in this guy has this huge life size poster of himself <laughs> and his shirts off man he's you know he's you know he's really selling himself and I don't knock him for that
0: the mm-hmm. whole the,
1: every 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 part that I've ever done it wasn't about the lights it was about me I walked in and I sold myself to my client so I'm not knocking him for his poster what I am saying, though, is on his poster, he said, I'm doing a play at Such-and-Such Theater coming soon, and I think he had a, a year date. He didn't have, you know, you know, February 25th, you know, 2020. He didn't have that up there. He just basically had coming soon, Such-and-Such date, and that was going to be it. And I looked at it, and I was like, he was in there, I was like, no, Yo, you're doing a play over at the Highland? he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I got it coming, man. I was like, so you went in and you talked to uh, the lady off in the uh, in the office already? You already got your tentative dates and everything like that? He was like, no, nah, I have not even been there. And I'm like, you haven't been to the theater yet? And he was mm-hmm. like, no, I been there. I just didn't post it and stuck it up here. I got a couple of them el- elsewhere, too. And I had to explain to him. I said, well, brother, what you're doing is fraud. I said, essentially, have their name on your flyer stating that you're going to have a production there you know in a certain period of time i was like just the mere fact that you put their name on this flyer you owe them money if they see this, you know that was like and trust me they're not just going to say hey you owe us 50 60 bucks they're going to say you owe us a production you owe us what we would have made off of a production i'm like this is legal law i'm like what right. you do this poster I know it's just a simple poster, but he's
0: oblivious. But that 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 type of guerrilla style marketing and business, it seems to be what is, you know, it's it's cool and it's kinda of dope now to be aggressive and you know, not really deal with facts. That's that's kind of the space that we're in. And when you're in the arts, your integrity Will mean the difference, like you say. If we do three productions in the same space, and those first two are horrible, chances are whoever comes in third, if they're not bringing in their own audience, they're not going to sell out. They're not going to even get near to selling out. No, but people My. think that that's, you know, individuals think that that's the uh, that's the way to do things to be that aggressive and be that misleading. Because right. at the end, you know, you know, we all, you know, it's good as, you know, but not understanding the business. And I think that there needs to be definitely a balance. And that's what that's another thing. I didn't think about personally. I knew how to make money, you know, and, and put on. Like I would spend my I would gamble, not <laughs> put up, I would gamble my rent money every production that I would do. And I would always, and it was one way, it was like. The 12th hour, and I'm like, uh, God, something got to come because this ain't adding up right now, you know, and I only had enough to be able to pay people, and I was so mad, like, but then, like, for some some hoax, we were able to break even, and I was able to recoup what I put into it as well, but, you know, again, learning how to not bank on ticket sales. Your ticket sales should be all profit. You shouldn't be banking on that or paying bills with it, but,
1: Well, what I did was um, when I came home, like I had, I didn't have an audience. So, so there there was, there wasn't a set audience for me. I had to accumulate Mm -hmm. my audience. You know, I had to accumulate my followers and this was going to be the production that I was going to do that on. And so luckily enough, I had every dime that I needed to put on this production already. That was enough money to put the production on, uh, get the set together and pay cast members. And so what I took from that was, okay, and then don't get me wrong, I didn't make it all back. You know what I mean? I did not make it all back. And so what I learned was for each production, have it all before you start. That way you can make deals. With if if, if you, there's a certain artist that you want to bring in and they have a fee for their, um, you know, for whatever it is that they do, you can cover that. Um, you can cover your set designers. You can cover your painters and things like that. And so I try to make sure that I had everything all ready. It's already set, so and that's the pool that I'm pulling from. And when it's all said and done, ticket sales all come right back home and just refill the pot for the next production.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I've done five shows here that specific way. Um, only one show, and it was really for, for two shows, but it was really for other people who contacted me. Hey, look, we want to do a show here. Can you come in and give us a show? Where I did things where we didn't have any money. There was nothing, but I mean, it was, it was just, those people were really to work. You know, they, they they were down for making it happen, even if they had to show up to these rehearsals without getting paid. Um, if if each one had to bring their own props, they were ready to do that. And it's great working with people like that. It's it's just it's a wonderful thing. But when you're doing your own, you know, in your in your own producer, you need to make sure you have all that before. You go in. You never really want to bank on ticket sales. If anything, bank on only get the half of that theater sold. You know what I mean? If anything. Um, it's just it's just the tail of the tape when you're doing a production. Anything can happen and cause you to lose all of your seats, you know. Anything can happen. So it's just best that you prepare yourself for anything to happen inside of doing uh, any kind of production.
0: I, I, it, it I, is, I but I think the business of of being an artist is something that is um, on one hand the people who are about the art be overlooked that and right. the people who the people who just want to capitalize and make money they they don't look at the art value so they'll right. put up anything because they just want to make money and I think both sides were hurting the other side. Because we're right. not thinking about the balance that is taken now where I'm at now I'm more methodical and I'm more precise with the things that I do. Like right, right now, if I go in somebody asks me to be any role in a production, I look at those things. And if I don't see those things lined up, right. I have to gracefully say, Well, this ain't for me. <laughs> well, I'm not able to do <laughs> bow out of this one. Yeah, I'm just not I'm not willing, I'm not willing to work for free anymore. I right. still do community things like I still participate yeah, at arena fun. players, but I'll set up you know, my I'll if if I do something at arena players true. trust and believe, I set up my jewelry table outside so that mm-hmm. money's coming in somehow, somewhere. I'm not willing to just work for nothing anymore. But right. you gotta learn the balance of it. Um, what do you have any big projects coming up? Uh, no, man. Right now, right now
1: I'm on chill time. In you know, all honesty, mm-hmm. man. I'm chilling. There is a, a a production that I wrote on Mahalia Jackson that I've been holding on the shelf, just waiting for an opportunity to permit itself where I can present it again. Um, but that's the big play product. Other than that, with 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 COVID and the way everything hit, just home relaxing, man. I was I was lucky enough to be able to sit at home and relax. You know, I worked really hard. You
0: know, right?
1: And it, 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 I mean, I worked hard. Man, and it, it was a lot of trips, a lot of travels, uh, different clients. Oh, you want? Me? I, look, I'll be out there tomorrow, and the next day I'm on a plane. You know, going somewhere else, and it, it always happens. So I worked really hard, and so for this break that I have, you know, I, I kind of happily accept it. it. Gives me time
0: at home. It just gives me time to relax. And so are you I'm, thinking of anything that, that you can, because if this looks like we're going to be in this at least for the next year in some shape or fashion. And that's just my, the way I'm looking at things and the way they're going. we opening up, but things are going to close back up very shortly once once, because it's still not under control. Are you thinking about ways to incorporate yourself in the virtual world? Because I tried it. You know, throughout this, but again, like you said, we have to prepare ourselves, and right. I, I did it just to see that I can do it and see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, I just finished doing a virtual production where we did it as a regular theater play, but it was all live stream uh, right. versus, you know, you know, people being in the audience and stuff like that. But are you thinking right now of some ways to incorporate some of the restrictions we have? Right into what you can do? Well, I did
1: think about different uh, concerts that we could throw. Uh, One of the main things that I do here at home is live concerts. And we haven't had a live concert since it started. And there's a lot of bands that are hurting. And so I've been thinking about different ideas to do live concerts in a way where people can still come. Uh, You know, kind of like your old school drive-in theater. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But now it's just a drive-in concert. Uh, it's kind of like a a mix of a the drive-in theater and a Jeep dip without everybody
0: running around. Um, on the technical side of things, as far as installation
1: goes, I do a lot of installations with fog and CO2 and I've been trying to find ways to create a different type of fog that it actually sanitizes as it shoots out. Um, that's something that my clients seem to really, you know, really want to see. Um, and then the clients themselves have to go into virtual world. So it's uh more so installing things that help them get into the virtual world. Because yeah. even though we got slammed into virtual, really, weren't really on that scale yet. Virtual had really just opened up, and everybody still prefers face-to-face communication, you know. And so it's more so trying to help the world understand virtual learn it more myself and find out what tools could each business need so that I can continue my installation game. Because installations really would grow me up. It, it wasn't so more so my performances, it was more so the performances of everybody else. And it gave me a steady job as far as creating venue, creating new looks. Just all of those places have to create itself. So it's it's just the time is now where everyone has to sit back and really try their best to think creatively um as far as school goes you know a lot of kids are are home now my kids are home in school so so i'm home teaching them back and working with them on uh, on homeschooling. but the problem with that is there's a lot of parents who, are, who still have to go to work not only are there parents who still have to go to work but there are parents who really don't know this stuff you know what i mean it's just you can't say shame on them that they don't. That's what the schools was for. The schools were to give their children, you know, a better opportunity in education than that parent may have had. But now you have parents who don't know two plus two. They really don't. They know how to cook, they know how to clean. You know, they know how to they know how to provide, but you, know, you got fathers that know how to go out and work, but they can't add, they can't necessarily read. You know what I mean? And now they're forced to try and stay home and, and help their children along with computers that they don't understand. So one of the things that I thought was like a, a hub, instead of the school, it's another facility where they could actually drop their kids off with someone who can fix those computers for them, who can keep them online and keep them on task while the teacher is given all the instructions online, which is something else. It's all about being creative. You have to think about what's going on and get creative with it, create something new. Right now, with everything that's going on, It's about to be a 180-degree turn. There's going to be people who are filthy rich that's going to go completely broke. And you got people that's completely broke that now have a wide window of opportunity to turn things around for themselves and become incredibly rich. It's all about what you can do. How creative can you be to fix some of the problems that we have now? There's
0: several issues now that could use some attention. You know what I mean? But I think in, in this, in this time, it's been six months for us here. And I, I think um and I, I've been looking at this from different angles. So I'm a school teacher. So I'm the person sitting on the screen, you know, trying to get your child to pay attention right. to a screen. You know, but I'm also an artist. Where I do jewelry, I do radio, I'm I'm figuring out ways. Like, we normally have a studio, but, right. you know, we're having to do this virtually now because we just don't want somebody to get sick on our watch or right. for any of us to get sick on trying to put up a radio show. Um, right. But in us, what I'm seeing is in our people's pursuit to be rich, they're really making the same mistakes that they've always made. Right. <laughs> Where, like you got money now. And the first thing people wanted to do was flex. You know, they started their little CMOS business. They started their little restaurant. You know, I, I said, I'm going to stop putting little in front of people, other people's dreams, but they started their CMOS. <laughs> they started, I did. It's, I'm trying, I'm working on me. I'm a work in progress. But, uh, <laughs> but then, you know, we're doing the things that will bring us forward. But it's not a legitimate business. You right. know, they haven't really registered the business. They don't, right. they're still using the same account as their personal, as they use it for business. So nobody's doing anything differently.
1: And they have to understand. So, so after the, you know, I did the park, this particular owner had a second park that he wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. But I did his first park, and we got that done. And sure enough, man, look, I'm not gonna lie. When I got that brother's check, I took his check. I went and I bought me a brand new truck. Now, yeah, it was, it's a Lincoln. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you no, know, it's a Lincoln. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie. It's a Lincoln. But you know what? I put 300,000 miles on that truck. Uh-huh. I bought, I invested in something that would grow with the business, that would help my business grow. The catch is, so after I did all that, you know, I opened up bank accounts and everything because all before I was just freelancing stuff. Different club owners would call and they'd be like, hey, can you know you can come and program these lights for us? And I'd show up, they pay me cash and I'd walk out the door. Always happened that way. This guy, you know, I needed insurance. You know, I needed to, I needed to, I needed, I needed to have a lot of things. I needed a account with uh, with rental agencies so that I could rent lifts. They don't just rent those out to any Joe Boo who shows up. You have to have an account with them. In order to rent some of that major equipment that which you need, which means you need a
0: business <laughs> license in right. order to now liability insurance,
1: all that. So, so, so there's this one guy, and I give this, I give this brother a lot of credit, though, though we don't speak today <laughs> because you know, you know, great minds do tend to bump heads sometimes <laughs> when mm-hmm. they start thinking about it. But I give this brother all the credit. He's, he's an older gentleman. He, he pretty much started the game here in my town as far as independents doing lighting and staging and sound and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, old head. I went to him and I was talking. I was like, man, look, you know, I got this guy's own part. You know, they want me to do all of this stuff, man. But, you know, I don't know how to do all this. I'm wondering if me and you could get together, you know, and then we could use all your insurances and all your business licenses to put all this together. And the brother was so hardcore to me, man. He was like, why not? Fuck what I work with you. You ain't nobody. And, and it's the way he explained it to me. He's like, you can't go get a business license by tomorrow. You don't know how to go to the courthouse, have your paperwork together. State what the name of your business is gonna be. Give them the fifty dollars that they need for your name. Then take that paperwork and go to the next room over in the courthouse and tell them this is your business name, this is your business license, and pay them the $100 they need for your business license. You don't know how to do that. You don't know how to contact the Secretary of State and send them a letter and tell them that you need your independent EIN number. But it was the way he was telling me, he was essentially giving me all the information that I need. But he was telling me in such a derogatory way, like you're not going to do it. You're not going to get up and go do all of that. Why would I work with you? I don't want to have nothing to do with you. You're a great kid. You're an intelligent kid, but you don't do enough. You don't know how to go do all this stuff. I said, oh, okay. I walked out of his hotel room, and I went straight to home, did my paperwork, went straight to the courthouse, and I got my business license that day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Here it is, I did that first job, not necessarily with the business license. I did have the insurance. I was able to, well, I didn't even get a lift. I did everything on ladders in there, right? But I got the check. Once I got the check, I took that check and I covered everything. And so when I went over for the for the um, the grand opening, it was the unveil of the lighting. So it was a big party. He had everybody there, you know, all of his, um. You know, his workers were there their families were there and they were all enjoying the lights that I had put up and I walked in and he's like all right Kevin look here I want you to go and do the park that I have in you know in whatchamacallit, in um, that was in Pensacola Florida and I was like hey man no problem you know I could get out to Pensacola Florida you know you know in a couple of days and I could be out there and he's like great he was like I have your um, I, I have your check here. I just need to write it out for you. It was the the final payment was what I was there for. A little bit of money, not much. But when it was time for him to give it to me, I gave him the new information. No, you can't write this without the Kim Najee. Please write this without the key performances. Right
0: there, step back. Oh, okay.
1: He was surprised that I actually went that far. It's almost like I sent him back. Oh no, 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 no. you gotta go to Mama to
0: You know, (laughs) it is that and and I wish you would have called me because I I went through that stuff while we were in college and it was, you know, I thought it was, you know, I thought I had to have all all these things to be successful. But it was something as simple as registering your name, going down to State Center and registering the name. and It's it's basic things that we overlook, but we like, man, I'm not giving the government, but you got children. Who go to school so right. your money is being filtered through their education too and all those right. you know but we don't think about those things and how being legitimate will help us in the long run because it does it gives you over. it gave being legitimate as soon
1: as i went legit right. with everything it gave me access yeah. it gave me access to where so now that I'm legit and have a business license, instead of going out and buying all of the equipment at, at full cost, yep. man, I was able to, to get uh, vendor deals, you yep. know, vendoring mm-hmm. with American DJ. I'm a vendor of just about every lighting company that there is now. Mm-hmm. And I get all the stuff at a dealer cost. And I'm able to sell that to them little under uh, list price and still make money off of it, man. Yeah, and yeah, none yeah. of that would have been given to me if
0: I wasn't legitimate, if I wasn't running a legitimate business. And even how he probably does business now, he got to give you an invoice. It's not just, here, take this little handwritten receipt. Now he's, right. he's looking at you as a legitimate business source, and now he has to treat you a certain way. And sometimes so, it doesn't always go in our favor, because now they, they like when we work under the table. But that doesn't benefit us. No, it does deal. You know, if he reneges on a promise, I need the rest of my money, please. Yeah. You you know. Do this? But our agreement said. Now, so,
1: as, as an independent, I had some clients who expected me to do things under the table because mm-hmm. I was still an independent. I'm like, well, no, yep. I'm like, this yep. is the way it needs to be done, you know. Mm-hmm. If if you want you if you want your system to be correct, then we have to go about it the right way. There's no under the table stuff going that's
0: on. That's a there. that's a big jump from the kinder that I knew. That was, <laughs> uh, that's a big jump. But if, 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 it
1: was going straight. down, man. Right. You know, if, it was going down. I did a lot of things um a slick and a sly way. I did a lot of stuff like that.
0: But you, but you had to learn. We, were... we all had to start somewhere. We had to learn. Right. From some point or from from perspective. And we had to start from some somewhere. So right. it's, it's not I don't even look at that as different. But it just it. I can understand where you're probably more calmer now in terms of doing mm-hmm. business versus trying to get everything and doing every single thing, because really, that's that's how I learned. I was I was trying to be everything. I was literally right. missing a curtain call to go make it to this other production that I had right after and then i right. was getting into trouble because my integrity was being questioned because right. i wasn't able to follow through and finish and, and be available and be consistent but i, I think I, you know we had to put out heads together in some way to maybe this may be your virtual moment to, to jump there was, out there because a lot of people need the information there was a
1: time at coppin um i think maybe might have been my very very first play i just got there uh raising in the sun and I was playing Asagai, I think, and Asagai had like two scenes and they were having a discussion at a rehearsal talking about, oh, we, we need somebody to run lights. We haven't found a lighting tech yet. And I go, like, oh, I can run lights. And they're like, no, Kimmy, you can't run lights. You're in the play. And my response was, I mean, I'm in the play, but I'm only playing Asagai. You yeah, got like, what, two, three scenes? I mean, look, I can be up there doing the lights and when it's time for Asagai, I can jump down, run around, get up in here, sit <laughs> on my costume, do this, jump out, run around, go back there like. No, Kimmy. No, this. No, you're not
0: running around. You're not doing all that. You're ASA guy. I'm gonna tell you, you (laughs) pointed to the wrong person able to let you do that. And I'm, I'm telling you, I was that person who tried to do everything. It was, it has not. It's been, I will say, in the last eight years that I forced people to treat me like what they were paying me for. So if I'm an actor, I am not going to find my own costumes. I right. am not going to be the box office. You pay me mm-hmm. to be an actor. And right. I refuse to do two jobs at one time. Like, I'm, so, I'm just not, uh uh-uh, uh,
1: no. no. So, so, for me, what was hard for me was letting go of my nine to five. That was the hardest thing for me. And so, I had a great job. I was uh, running the maintenance department at the newspaper out in Lafayette. And it was okay. a great job. I was my own boss. Um, it was rewarding in a sense that. I got to turn the place around when i walked in it was a mess mm-hmm. um i got paid very well and i had great benefits and so here it is i was making money doing these installations but it was taking a lot out of it because i would go to work work was anywhere between 8 and 12 hours depending if anything broke down and i would come home and i would get on my computer and i would design all that
0: Right. I would get off
1: on a Friday and I'd go do an installation from Friday, Saturday, Sunday and then try to show back up to work Monday morning, a basket case. Finish up work Monday, Monday afternoon and go back to the place to tighten up everything over there. I wasn't getting any sleep. And uh, I was just so afraid of walking into my boss and saying, look, I, I quit. You know, I, I was afraid to do that. And then it got to the point to where I had four parks that was going to go down almost the same time. I'd already gotten calls and I'd already did bids, and two parks had already confirmed. The other two parks were on the verge of confirming. And, and you know, I just thought about it. And I was like, "There's no way that I could do these parks and this job."
0: Now, don't get me wrong.
1: My job was for sure money. You know, it was it was for sure getting paid. You know, salaried employee. I'm going to get paid in regardless. You know, I don't work that hard because i know exactly what i'm doing but man it was it was just this one conversation i had with my boss my boss was upset because i didn't put the hours in like everything that i needed to do was done as far as my machines were running my machines were pm uh no machines had broke down in my absence like i had the place running very very well mm-hmm. I was so upset that i didn't put in the hours. I just, You know, I was, was, he was upset that I didn't put in enough hours. Instead of putting in 46 hours, I'd only put in 36 hours. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know, the moment I left from here, I never stopped working. You know, I walked out of here. I ran with, got a lift. I transported that lift to to the place. I got to the venue and got right on the lift and started hanging lights. I just finished returning the lift and now I'm back at work. I hadn't even slept, man. You know what I mean? And I was just thinking, you know what? You need to let me just go and at least see where this can be. You know, give me six months, three months, whatever you feel you're comfortable with letting me go for. I got a tech here. He can keep everything going. The business is great. And I left. And one month later, I turned in my, uh, <laughs> my, my two weeks notice. I was done. That is, it's, you know I
0: mean? it's how you look at those things, you know. Uh, it's outside of me being a teacher i haven't had a a regular job you know i've worked for nonprofits but it was as an artist uh mm-hmm. but uh i think i i was doing um i think we did a play at coffin called flight yes and it it, it came that was awesome be, it came to be either i was gonna be at rehearsal until 11.30 30 and be a half an hour late for work or because I worked overnight or I was going to be in a play and I was me, you know, when you first met me, I had my own home. I've always been on my own and I was taking care of myself. So it was frightening for me to, to release myself from a regular paycheck. But I I think I was, I was talking to a and she said, if it's something that you want, you have to be able to sacrifice, and up until that point, I had never had to sacrifice. You know, I had my good paying job. You know, I had my benefits. I had my art. I was able to, you know, do things. But the more I got into my passion, the less I was able to be on the other side that benefit. Right. So I looked at any job outside of me being an artist as a benefactor. Right. And the moment, the moment I was able to look at that job as a benefactor and not as uh my sole provider. Right. I was able right. to make that leap and make that jump. Right. Uh, and it was very satisfying for me. But you know, it wasn't easy <laughs> because that check wasn't coming in every two weeks. Okay. Uh, go, 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 go. but I had to make I had to make that way. Um we, we only have a couple minutes left in the show. Um can you can you give us some insight on like where can we find if somebody's trying to book you for something or uh, what are your what are your services? How can people reach you or contact you? Best place to catch
1: up with Kim and is on Facebook, man. And the services that I provide is pro sound, stage light, and staging, man. We do uh, we have a nice crew. We do stage light, sound. We do installations. It's it's, it's anything. It's digital entertainment, man. Sales installation consulting is what we do. Key right, Performance. Right. Just look me up on Facebook. There's a Key Performance page. If you go on the Key Performance page on Facebook, you'll see all of our installations. There's several pictures. There's several videos and some of the concerts that we've done. Um, if you go to my, my own profile page, you know, you'll know you be able to contact me through there as well. Um, and the Key Performances also has a Key Performances Theater group page as well. If you're looking for a production of some sort, a lot of people contact me to either write a play, direct a play or just to come in and kind of oversee, you know, kind of artistic direct. Like um, there's another gentleman. Can't stop that. There's another gentleman who really wanted to do his first play, but had no clue. And what I liked about him was that he wasn't saying, you know, I've never done a play, but you know, I'm going to do this one. And this is going to be the bomb. He was more like, man, I saw your play. It was the bomb. I want to do my own play, and I want it to be a good play, too. Will you come in and assist me in doing this particular play? And I'm all for that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm all
0: for those kind of
1: things. So, yeah, catch up on on Facebook is the best place to catch us. Uh, Key performances. um, And there's also exclusive lighting for uh, concerts. And so check us on Facebook, man. That's the best place to
0: find us. So my, my last question to you is uh, the question I ask to all my guests. Uh, what advice would you give to your 17-year-old self? And what question would you ask to your 100-year-old self?
1: The advice that I would give my 17-year-old self, in all honesty, would go to college now. Don't wait till you're 30. That Mm -hmm. that's that'd be definitely the biggest piece of advice that i could give way. do that now and i I would give that to every 17 year old that i ever walk across in fact i was at um uh my wife was at the uh the uh, community university taking the exam and so i kind of just sat around waiting for her and as i you know moseyed around the campus the one thing that i picked up on was I only saw four black men going to this college? That was it. And mm-hmm. so one of them sat down in front of me in this in the library where I was at, and I talked to him. And I was like, "Brother, thank you. You know w- what you're doing is absolutely amazing. If you look around, you're one of very, very few here doing." It. I was like, "You should let that be your energy and your fuel. You should let that mm-hmm. drive you to nothing but success." through this, you know, through college and after, because not many of us are taking advantage of this opportunity. And so I would definitely tell my 17-year-old self, no, no, no. Drop the music, you know, drop the girls, drop, drop the cars, you know, drop all of that, drop the jobs, and go right to college. Don't skip a beat, go straight in there and get it done. Don't look for fame so early in life. Fame will find you if you are if you are working towards.
0: But I'm giving it man. I'm giving <laughs>
1: You know, I just I just wish I I would have uh, thought about that at 17. I think life would be, who knows? Life is great, you know what I mean? But who knows what would have happened if I'd have went early? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I think. The one question that I would ask my 100 year old self, in all honesty, and this is gonna be a weird question, but was it all worth it? You know what I mean? You know, I think at 100 years old, because right now I'm I'm 43, and I still got a lot of life to go (laughs) back. Like, I I just started a whole new page in life, you know, and I'm so excited about it. And I can't wait to see, you know, what turns out from there, you know. And so, at 100 years old, I have to ask myself: of all the decisions that you made, you know, of all the moves you made, not what you regret doing, not what you would go back and change, out of everything that you've done, was it all worth it? And I think that would be a real serious question to ask myself at 100 years old. And I know I'm gonna make 100, so I'm gonna have to ask
0: myself. can
1: not kill me, man. Hey, no man. nowhere, oh,
0: <laughs> You know? only uh, Kemet would live to be man. So oh, this million. has been uh another edition of the Artist Exchange Radio show. Thank you, Kemet, for finally It's been a minute, man. You know, and
1: luckily, man,
0: it's I been seven years, sir.
1: I was extremely busy before no live out, but I do have the time and opportunity, man. And uh I love the show. There's a lot of people that I need to network and connect with for the show. Man. There's a lot oh, Of space people.
0: and opportunity, sir. So we go ahead to send them this way and and let's uh, try to figure out something we can do together. That's my mission. Um, something that I wrote down as a goal for myself mm-hmm. um, is to, you know, go back and I've worked with quite a few of the urban art production majors. I'm not saying that, but really doing something quality. You know, I'm. Right. I, you know, when I hear about Morgan or Howard or any of the other HBCUs that are surrounding us, you know, it. we don't have that that network system. And I, I don't want to necessarily lead it, but I definitely want to, you know, kind of spark it off and, and, you know, and be the catalyst uh, in helping it to get to a point where we we have so much to be able to give each other that right. we... we we regret, you know, we don't we don't do it. You know, and we just lost one of our popping players. And I don't want to lose anybody else. No. We're yeah. not at a space where we haven't really created a network. I know we can't be in each other's presence every day, but right. you know, figuring out a way that we can help each other and just right. create work. You know, right. that's the whole purpose of us being artists is to work with other people. Work with other artists. You know, right. Yeah. So let's get home together. So sure. it, it took you seven years, sir, but you finally, you know, got on the show. And it's definitely, if you want to come back, it's always an open definitely, door. Definitely, yeah. man.
1: Um, it's a lot of new things. Um, you know, the world is changing, and we all have to be creative together. Right. Um, and so I've noticed that, and I, and it's it's not really the world isn't changing just behind one plane. The world has been changing for the last. You know, four years, you know, yeah. the world has really been on edge, you know, everybody's out in the street, you know, and I never thought that I would witness so many things, you know, in just this short span of life, you know. Right. right, I just, for me personally, the reason why I'm just sitting back, I have my thoughts, you know, I have my plans, I have my designs, but for the most part, I'm just sitting back and I'm just keeping an eye on everything, man. Somebody called me um, the other day. Like nothing much happens in the East so that we don't really have a whole lot that goes on. Um, but in my neck of the woods, yeah. right. one of my friends called and was like, "Kim, you not the you not at the protest?" Oh, <laughs> you know,
0: they're
1: like, "Man, why are you not at the protest?" I knew that I would see you at this protest, and I'm like, "Of course." You would have saw me there at 20, you would have saw me there at 30, but at 40 with all these children, man, I'm more in tune with trying to do other things to create change. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I understand and I'm grateful for all the protests. I really am. I'm grateful for everything that's going on because it's a catalyst for change. You right. see what I'm saying? Right? But it's also a catalyst for disaster at the same time. And I think, uh I think we all need to find other ways to become catalysts for change. So I'm just kind of sitting back and, and keeping an eye and watching everything and recording it, and then taking it on to my own my own thoughts about it, and then representing it to everybody. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's not exactly a time for me to to, to, to be out there as much as I want. You know, you know, Kevin from back then, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Before it was something serious, man. Always ready for a <laughs> fight. You know what I mean? And I right. think, I think um, one, the knowledge that I gained from coping kind of calmed that aspect of my life. Not everything is is meant to be a fight. Just because you have to fight for it doesn't mean that it's a physical fight. And I, I think people get that mixed up sometimes.
0: And that's a that's an awesome way to end this. Um, just know your position. Right. And 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 become great at the lane that you are in and stop looking at what everybody else is doing and try to look at what you have been doing. Um, don't forget the artist exchange come on, artist exchange. So I have a, a cup in right now, but um, every Monday and Friday at five p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're definitely going to bring Kim back. I'm gonna figure out how to get that knowledge, you know, back on the show. So <laughs> again, peace out, everybody. Uh, be safe. It's raining outside right now, so enjoy your fall. Be safe out there, uh, and don't get the wrong. Peace All out. right. Peace and out. Vote, vote, vote. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. You have a good one. Oh.